Welcome to BuildCast, a podcast brought to you by BCG Digital Ventures. Hello, my name is Luke Grifkovic. I'm Product Management Director at BCG Digital Ventures in Berlin. And for this episode of BuildCast, I'm joined by LabTwin co-founders Magdalena Paluch and Stefan Gloth. Magdalena and Stefan, welcome. Welcome, happy to be here. Hello. Magdalena is actually a previous colleague of mine. She worked as a design director at DV in our centers in Manhattan Beach, as well as in Berlin. And she is currently a CEO of a Lab Twin. It's a venture that DV has collaborated very closely with Sertorius. And here we also have Stefan Gloth, who was one of the main initiators on Sertorius' side as well. Stefan is now also co-founder and head of operations. So what is Lab Twin and what is the company actually doing? LabTwin's flagship product is uh, industry-leading digital voice assistant uh, utilizing advanced natural language processing technologies. LabTwin enables real-time data capture as well as access, predominantly by voice. LabTwin understands scientific context, workflows, and vocabulary and is able to process, capture, and structure that data and make it usable. At the end, LabTwin delivers very much a solid foundation uh, for collection and processing of raw data into useful information that then can be used uh, for taking actions by different stakeholders in their organization. And uh, uh, which problem is actually LabTwin trying to solve and for whom? Yeah, of course. So back in the days, I mean, in the biotechnology, when you look into the labs, these people who are standing at the bench are always facing the problem or the situation of keeping the bench sterile, right? Because they're handling basically living cells, basically. So in those kind of moments where they need to keep sterility, they're not be able to just take a pen and a piece of paper in order to make a note, right? This is the problem what these people are having. And even if you would give them those electronic lab notebooks, even in those moments, they will not be able to just grab the mobile or the tablet or whatever to make a note. This is the problem. And this leads into a situation where you have a lot of information in the mind of a scientist and completely unused for other certain experiment or to reproduce the experiment or whatever. Right. And then we tried out different technologies. We started basically with a digital pen and we tried. So the first angle we saw, okay, let's try to digitalize the physical net notebooks with a digital pen. And this was basically the moment where, where we thought, okay, maybe we need another partner in this project. And we, we basically saw, okay, there's a digital arm of BCG and it makes totally sense to cooperate with them and to try to get them on board in order to try out different technologies, try to have a couple of different people also on board in order to have really the freedom and push this kind of project forward. In summary, LabTwin helps life science organizations reduce errors and time to market by increasing accessibility and interoperability of data. We do that by enabling access and capture of information contemporaneously at the time of experiment, by making this capture data machine readable, and by connecting the metadata generated by humans in the lab with other bioinformatic devices and systems. Cool. And let's rewind a little bit to Sertorius, because it's one of those you know, hidden champions in German corporate scene, for sure. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Sertorius is one of the major players currently in the production of the COVID-19 vaccination. So they are producing and they are 
providing the entire industry with uh, instrumentation around the production, right? It's not easy to innovate sometimes in these environments, and it's not just easy to identify a good opportunity. So how did you two as uh, you know, co-founders now and, and early collaborators back then, what happened and how did you move it from a really good idea into something that eventually became a, a standalone company and something that now has a number of successful tracking metrics from big team to growing customer list and so on. So how did you get there to move Sartorius into fairly bold endeavor? <laughs> yeah, it was funny that book said this conservative industry because it is indeed, right? So where Sartorius is acting in the pharmaceutical industry, you need to know them as one of the most conservative industries in the world because you have a lot of regulative bodies and agencies standing behind that. But I think I had the luxury back in my time at Sartorius that Sartorius gave me always the freedom to live this entrepreneurial kind of way to give me really the freedom to work on things, which makes me excited when it comes to this lab digitalization and information digitalization and kind of thing. But the thing is, you are always in your own ecosystem. You're always in your own little world of Sartorius. Even Sartorius has 10,000 employees. You are still in your little ecosystem. And with these kind of ideas where you want to really innovate in such a conservative industry, you need an outside view on that. And this is where DVE and BCG and also Magdalena played a major role here. I agree. But also I would add upon this that I think a major contributing factor or driver enabling us to take this risk and take a leap was the CEO of Sartorius, who actually had creativity and trust in giving the venture from the very beginning enough independence so it can grow and thrive on its own within its own culture and of its own team and its own goals. And I think empowering both of us and the company for taking decisions more independently from Sartorius was, was, uh, was a huge contributing factor to the fact that we are able to take the venture off the ground. Super. And where are you now as a company, as an organization? Like, What's the point where you're at now? So in terms of organization, we are currently around 50 people. And I'm always very proud to say 50 people from 24 different countries in the world. So we hired basically talents or handpicked talents for the entire, all the champions worldwide. Is it hard to hire for those kind of technological breakthroughs? Oh boy, <laughs> don't don't get me started, Vuk. <laughs> yeah, so hiring, especially when it comes to engineering resources, is really, really a challenge, especially so the pandemic actually made it worse because everybody is a little bit hesitate to move and to change their jobs and stuff currently. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's both. Hiring is difficult. Retaining talent is also difficult because yeah, right. we have to compete, of course, mostly with large tech players that they have a lot to offer. And to be honest, we have had these where we had some of our staff that tried to be picked. Um, but I think there, I think from a culture perspective, from the company perspective, we were able to leverage those assets to keep people on board um, and to also attract uh, from that perspective as well. But it's not easy, of yeah. course. Uh, but th there, of course, it is about organization. And I think that's the future of organization. How can organization be a learning organism? And being able to upskill and reskill people within an organization, I think you can hire for specific deep domain expertise. But I think in our field, that's not always enough. Well, of course, a big portion of our team is 
actually scientists and not only data scientists, but actually PhDs in all these different domains of life science. And often there they collaborate, learn from, and sometimes even join other teams and uh, reskill in order to offer what we offer in terms of insights and intelligence into the system. Good. You come from a different background. Uh, Magdalena, you were a trained architect, you were a design uh, craft person, I would say. So how was the experience for you to lead a, a corporate-founded startup? What surprised you the most? I don't know if I, I think every day is a surprise <laughs> and, and you learn every day something new. Um, Stefan and I can go all hours um, and write books on it, but I, I think this is not very different, right? So my career path evolved from being an architect, working with engineers and designers to design these solutions. But at the end, it's solving challenges with other people uh, and being able to collaborate. And same when I was at Toyota, big corporate, they're trying again to work with business stakeholders, with designers, with engineers together, solving these problems. Same at DV, I was working across disciplines and bringing the disciplines together. And I think that is the role that I often take at, at lab to that I have is that I need to actually bring the disciplines together to bring the best sort of outcomes. But that means really wearing all the hats possible. You know, one day you're a psychologist and the other day you're an engineer um, almost <laughs> or a scientist. And so being able to step into those shoes, evolve and learn as you learn fast, adapt. That was always part of my career and what I had to do. And so from that perspective, there's not that much difference. And Stefan, what did you find shocking when you joined the startup after a career at a leading corporate? What I found shocking, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say now. But I think the biggest challenge for me is coming from a corporate. I mean, Sartorius and PSG are one of the main investors. And apart from supporting us with money, we're also using some backend operations of these giants, right? And what is the biggest challenge always for me is, is keeping the balance between corporate compliance and maintaining the startup agility mindset. Because those people, and when we are looking back into the, the, the discussions about the talents and maintaining those kind of talent in the company, um, the people who are deciding to work for a startup don't want to deal with corporate compliance, right? But somehow we have to because these people are supporting us. So basically keeping the balance between the corporate world and the startup world, this is always a challenge for me. How to move fast, but without breaking things. I think yes. that's absolutely challenge. But I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's actually perfect for the segment that we are dealing with. And this is where this comes as a huge advantage because we are the startup that they can trust potentially much more than another startup because we do have certain processes set up in a very highly professional level uh, where most 99% of non-corporate backed startup wouldn't have. It sounds like you you have found a lab twin and in, in Sertorius a good way to find the best of both worlds. Yeah. But do you still uh, feel that you're sometimes a bit of an exception rather than a rule? I think it's still a difficult path for many corporates to take. I think what has changed from a few years back is that it's not an exception, but rather a rule that all of them have incubators and they invest in ventures internally and externally. However, 
I think it's still very difficult balance being part of a corporate and being independent enough. That is a difficult dance. And I think not many organizations know how to do that well. The sort of harmony between being independent and being part of a larger organism. And what would be your advice to them? What do you think corporates should do to win the next decade of innovation and to make sure that all of the advantages that they have actually translate into traction in the market? I think it's what they have to or they must do, actually. And what they must do is to learn how to shed the feeling of comfort and replace it with resilience. What I mean by that is that they need to be much more willing to change and willing to adapt because the market changes and environment and technology changes so rapidly. Most of those organizations and the individuals in them still living the life, comfortable life and afraid of change. And until these organizations embrace the fact that everything around them is changing constantly, and they need to change. And actually, the structures and organizations need to be much more flexible and semi-autonomous to some extent. I would think the organizations need to think of themselves more as an organism rather than an institution. Yeah, I think one key element which builds up on that, what Magdalinov just said, is from my perspective, the entire topic of promoting entrepreneurship mindset within those big corporations further and further. There are also a couple of other good examples in the market, like, for example, Intel or Evonik. They give employees some freedom to create their own project and even give them funds for those projects. So this is, from my perspective, really one of the key elements which big corporations should push further in order to really innovate in those kind of conservative industries. Thanks for sharing. Magdalena, Stefan, thanks for your time. It was a pleasure to host you here. Thank, Thank you. you once again. Thank you, Volker. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Thank you for listening. For more information about BCG Digital Ventures, find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. And stay tuned for more episodes of Buildcasts.